You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. I am Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. We're going to talk about guns, weapons. We're going to talk about legal issues with guns and weapons. We're going to talk about successes, and we're going to talk about... I guess, unsuccessful issues with guns and weapons in, in the political field. Because as everybody knows, usually guns only have two enemies, rust and politicians. And right now the politicians are <laughs> are beating the rust out for being the most dangerous. And it's funny because there's thousands and thousands of laws on the books for guns, gun crimes, and any kind of uh, issues you can have with guns where you can get in trouble or where you're not supposed to do things. And they keep wanting to put more in. And the thing to me is if they don't enforce the ones they have, what's the point of just piling on? It's like filling the bathtub with water until it's overflowing, saying, oh, we need more hot water, so we're just going to keep dumping water in, even though it's overflowing. We have an overflowing number of gun laws on the books right now. There's no reason why we should add any more gun laws, you know, at least until something new comes up. Like right now, the the term ghost gun it's being thrown around all over the place, and it sounds as if these ghost guns are running around, you know, on little drones, killing people left and right without any regard to human life. All a ghost gun is is a gun you can make at home, which is perfectly legal, as long as you don't sell it to anybody else or sell it at all. As long as you don't sell the ghost gun, you can use it for your personal use as long as you are legally allowed to own that particular weapon or one like it. So if you're under 21, you cannot build a pistol ghost gun. If you are under 18, you cannot build any ghost guns. But if you are over 21, you can build any kind of ghost gun. I use the term. It's just it's a homemade gun that is for your use only. And the fact that they're trying to make these illegal is kind of odd because it is already against the law to sell them. And there has been no big uptick in crime with ghost guns. Most criminals are not smart enough or motivated enough to build their own weapons. They want to just buy them stolen or buy them off the street or steal them themselves, whatever they have to do, to get them. Because they don't want to spend the time to learn how to build a gun. It's kind of a, it's it's an arts and craftsy kind of project if you want to take one. And there are several different weapons you can build in ghost guns. The most popular is the AR-15 lower receiver. Because it is a non-stressed part, you can build it out of a polymer, you can build it out of aluminum, you can build it out of magnesium, although I think drilling on magnesium when it gets hot can be kind of dangerous. But most of them are aluminum. You can buy them finished, unfinished, and you can buy jigs to put them together, and you drill the parts out that you need, and you assemble your, your gun, your ghost gun, your homemade weapon. And they have uh, Glock frames are probably the second most popular ones. There's a company called Polymer 80 who's been in the news lately because they were selling kits that had their 80% lowers and every other part needed to complete the weapon. And the ATF decided, eh, that's a little too close to selling somebody a gun, which it's not because you still have to complete the work. The 20% of the work has to be completed to make the homemade weapon functional. And you have to have a certain amount of skill to do that. And it's clearly stated that there's nothing illegal about manufacturing your own weapon. In fact, it's funny because a lot of the gun buybacks, people will manufacture extremely rudimentary weapons out of two-by-fours, steel pipes, and nails. And there was a guy who ended up getting, I think, $300 each for two of these homemade wood and, and pipe and hose clamp weapons. Once he showed them they were functional... They bought them at the gun buyback, and I'm sure he took that money and purchased better weapons with them. 
It's funny because the he had a, a stock of sorts built out of a two by four, and it said seventeen seventy six on it. But it's funny because once he showed they were functional, they paid him the money for it. And since it was a no questions asked, they couldn't ask him for ID. They couldn't ask him for anything on those weapons, on the things he built, which is <laughs> pretty funny. Ends up biting him in the butt a little bit. But I'm hopefully that money was reinvested in better weapons. But that's something you can look at sometimes. A lot of gun buybacks, if they're in areas where certain things are difficult to come by, there was one in Illinois where they were paying $35 for every high-capacity rifle magazine. Now, keep in mind, you can probably buy a replacement for that for between $10 and $15. Depending on how many they would buy from you, that could be a way to make some money and buy more magazines or buy better magazines or upgrade to a better gun. However, in Illinois, those magazines are illegal, so I don't know how you would obtain them unless you went out of state, brought them in, but if it was no questions asked, they couldn't ask anything about it. That would be kind of the rules. Although you may put your name on a list in the state of Illinois if you were to do that. But anyway, so people have been building these homemade weapons for many, many years, and the amount of crime committed with them is virtually non-existent. It's statistically an anomaly. There's nothing there to say there's any kind of problem with it. And even if there was, there are laws against giving them to the wrong people. And that's one thing that happened. Where was this? Ah, there was a, a, in Pennsylvania, the attorney general's office brought charges against four men who were accused of building kits to, to sell. They were selling these kits after they completed them, were selling them at a gun show in a county in Pennsylvania called Berks County. They would take... 80% 80% receivers, ready-made gun kits returned to the Philadelphia to take part, to partake in illegal gun manufacturing operations. They searched the home of a 19-year-old, Mr. Davis, on Friday and found three ghost guns and a kit to make a fourth, as well as gun parts and ammunition. They accused Davis of selling the guns in Philadelphia for $500 each. Now, a lower part for most guns is between 100 and $200 for the, AR, for the AR and the Glocks. The Glocks are generally a little bit more. They're closer to $200. The ARs can be had for 100 to 150 So he's buying all the parts for them, putting them together and selling them for $500. I doubt he's making more than $100 per gun. And it seems like a lot of work. Maybe he can't find another job. But he was charged with six counts of illegal transfer of a firearm and other weapons charges. Because it is illegal to sell a homemade weapon unless you register it Put a serial number on it, then you're allowed to sell it. Until then, it must be used for the person who built its use only. You may not, you may not make one for somebody else. You can help them or guide them, but you cannot make it for them and give it to them. At least that's the law right now. Now they want to get rid of all the homemade guns completely because they're saying, oh, it, it adds to criminal, you know, criminal uh, activities. But you know, other than selling them illegally. I, I think there's virtually no instances of a homemade gun being used in very many crimes at all. I say it's almost, it's almost astronomically low. And would, would the law actually stop criminals? Of course not, because criminals are going to break the law anyway. So it really doesn't matter. Now, would it make it harder for them to get some of the parts and stuff? Maybe. But if they can import millions of tons of drugs into the country every year, they could probably throw in a few cases of AK-47s or whatever kind of assault rifle or guns they want because they can be transported just as easy as anything else. 
And now people have CNC equipment at home because it's become so cheap and computerized. People could just take any old block of aluminum or any block of plastic and turn it into a loader receiver. And then you get into 3D printing which allows people to make a number of complete firearms, as well as receivers, magazines, gun parts, all in the in the comfort of their own home, their own garage, their basement, wherever. They just have the, the computer program, plug it into the 3D printer, and it starts manufacturing. Now, I've seen these demonstrated at a place I went to. They had the guy was manufacturing Glock frames and AR-15 lowers with a 3D printer. And the entire setup was under $400, and it came with all the plans. All you had to do was buy the plastic filament, and he had some. You got some with it. You got enough to build, I think, two or three when you started. And then you can just buy the plastic filament and build whatever you wanted, as many as you wanted. Now, I don't know who would need that many homemade printed weapons, but just the fact that it can be done means law-abiding citizens are not going to break the law. They're not going to make them and sell them. Criminals are going to break laws, and there's already laws on the books to prevent anybody from selling ghost guns this is like telling somebody well we're here to collect your license because um your neighbor was caught drunk driving so we're going to take your car away you didn't do anything wrong but yet they're going to punish everybody for the for the actions of a few criminals and this is where they need to stop doing this is not the way our country is supposed to run you're not supposed to punish everybody for the bad actions of a few people just like now when you go buy cold medication, you have to get it behind the counter, and they used to have a form you had to sign up and get, show your license because people were using it to make illegal drugs with. But the people who are not just suffering from allergies have to go through all this extra red tape now because of the criminals. So instead of going after the criminals, they put laws on law-abiding citizens, which is something that I feel is completely wrong and should never have been done. But... That's where they're headed next. And this current administration is so anti-gun, they're going to do almost anything they can to stop the sale of what they consider, quote-unquote, assault rifles, which is just military-style rifles high cap- or standard-capacity magazines. But you know what? They're not taking the standard-capacity magazines and rifles away from their bodyguards or their secret service. No, they're allowed to have it. Because they think they are royalty. They think they are more important than the citizens they serve. They forget they are representatives of the people who vote for them. They are not leaders. They are not rulers. They are strictly representatives of the people who vote for them. And people need to hold them accountable, telling them they should not get special privileges. They should not be treated any differently than any other U.S. citizen. Equality under the law must be enforced. It's one of the most basic premises of our law enforcement system, equality under the law. And we've seen that in in many years come to where it just doesn't mean anything. Politicians get away with almost murder. People who support politicians and hang out with them get away with ridiculous things that nobody should get away with what's his name uh, al sharpton owes four million dollars in back taxes and yet he's still walking around free martha stewart owed i think a couple hundred thousand and they threw her in jail so you know obviously there's not equality under the law or everybody who owed the back taxes would either be put on a plan to pay or be thrown in jail as they did. But you know what? People lie under oath they get thrown in jail unless they're politicians. They stand there and take an oath to support the Constitution, which includes the Second Amendment, and then they turn around and lie about it and sit there and try and pass laws to take our Second Amendment rights away. That's perjury. And there was a gentleman I talked about a couple of weeks ago trying to bring lawsuit or 
charge some of these politicians with perjury for lying when they took an oath of office to support the Constitution. But every now and then we get something good. Now, Boulder, Colorado put a ban on modern sporting rifles and magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. Now, that's in Colorado, and that's a violation of the state's firearm preemption law, which says that the state laws will be the ones that control guns, and that little cities and towns and counties cannot make gun laws aside from what the state makes. So they tried to ban this as a city, and then a judge came down and said, no, this is not going to stand. You can't do this. We're tell you, you have to take that law away. So that was a win there in Boulder. Because the state preemptions, it bans the, lo- the state localities from passing any law that prohibits the sale, purchase, or possession of a firearm that a person may lawfully sell, purchase, or possess under state or federal law. And under Colorado law and federal law, people are allowed to own these weapons. You are allowed to own these weapons if you are not a criminal, if you don't have a criminal past, a criminal background. If you can pass a background check, you can uh, background check, you can own one. So, But Colorado, the judge came down and said it's not, it, you, it can't stand. So they pulled that away, which is good. Now, I think Colorado still has a 15-round limit on their weapons in the state. In fact, that was one reason why the company called Magpul moved out of Colorado because they didn't want to live in a state or do business in a state where the customers who live in the state were not allowed to purchase their products. All right, we'll be right back after this with some new numbers for March. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. And this is, uh, I'm Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded. And right before we left for the record, we are talking about the Boulder magazine ban that got struck down by a court. So uh, this was good news. 
Other good news is gun sales for this year so far have been astronomical. They've broken one record after another over and over again because people are getting scared that this may be their last chance. This may be your last chance to own a gun that holds more than 10 rounds. Assuming they're not going to take them away from you in a forced buyback, which is confiscation. Don't call it a buyback. You didn't buy your guns from the government. They can't buy them back. You know, in fact, after doing a background check, I've determined that the government has been violent and irresponsible with firearms, and they wouldn't pass my background check for me to sell them any guns. But anyway, run over the numbers real quick. In January, we had 4.3 million background checks for firearm purchases. Now, most of these probably go through, and some of them are for more than one weapon, which means a single check can count for a multitude of weapons. Somebody buying a gun for himself and two sons can get one background check and get three weapons. People who have carry permits in most states do not have to undergo an NICS check. So these numbers are, you know, and there's a few refusals here. There's probably some that didn't go through. But overall, these numbers are probably fairly accurate. They might even be a smidge low. So January, 4.3 million. February, now granted, February is a shorter month, 3.4 million. And in March, a record number, 4.7 million background checks for weapon purchases in March. This is, I mean, these these numbers are just steamrolling through. Now, keep in mind, if you're not sure how these numbers add up, I mean, we got, let's see, 4, 8, 12, 13.4 approximately, about 13.5 million checks in the first three months of the year, the first quarter. Now, last year, all of last year, we had 21 million background checks. Now, if this keeps up on this pace, which it, it'll probably drop some, but even if they do 10 million a quarter, we're going to double the number of background checks we had last year. Double the number of gun sales we had last year. Now, I'd be curious to see, I haven't found numbers on how many of these background checks were done for brand new gun purchasers, purchasers who had never owned a weapon before, or gun before. As that, I think, would be an interesting thing to see. And, of course, with all these gun purchases, the ammunition shortage remains just uh, – it's blowing up out there. People are get, It's getting harder and harder to purchase ammo. It's getting higher and higher. Although I tend to see a lot of it available, the prices just seem to be expensive because I think a lot of the dealers – they're taking advantage of it. It's capitalism. I have no pro- qualms with a dealer making a little extra money when he can because otherwise he'll have empty shelves, and he can't sell from an empty shelf. So he's got to price it accordingly to keep enough in stock and still be able to sell some of it. He's got to have that balance of price versus supply. Now, as the supply creeps up a little bit, then the prices will probably drop down, drop down some. And a According to what I've read, American manufacturers are manufacturing at a record pace, as fast as they can do it, as safely as they can do it. They don't want to sacrifice their quality or safety for the number of rounds they're putting out. But last year, we had 8.4 million new gun purchasers all needing ammo. So that just it increased the supply. I think we've run these numbers before. If each, each new gun owner needed four boxes of ammo, that's 1.6 billion rounds of ammunition in addition to what the regular people who have owned guns before want. And the people who have owned guns before are probably stocking up even more now because they're getting a little scared because Biden was talking ammunition tax. Now, granted, even with the ammunition tax, I wonder if the prices would be as high if the supply was as good as it was. I mean, he was talking about adding a nickel around to, to ammunition prices. So what is that? Uh, in 50 rounds, you're going to add $2.50 to the price? 
And right now, 9mm Atomo is probably going for about five times what it was. Three and a half to four times what it was just a year or so ago, a year and a half ago. And a year and a half ago, we probably had some of the lowest prices we have ever seen since probably the 80s when they were importing ammo by their truckloads. And uh, and stuff was cheaper. Inflation has caused it to go up some. But you still could get very high-quality ammo at less than 20 cents a round for the pistol ammo and probably less than 30 cents a round for the rifle ammo. 5.56 or 300 blackout and 308 were probably a little bit more than that, closer to 50 cents a round. And now everything's going for almost a dollar a round. It has gotten very high. But keep in mind... The supply is still there. I've seen lots of ammo out there. Of course, the prices is what's keeping people from buying as much as they want to. And people buy more than they need. That's the biggest thing. When it's cheap, buy as much as you want to. When it's expensive, hold off. Try and wait. Because if you decrease the demand, it's going to increase the supply, which will lower the price. And there's probably a lot of people out there going to big box stores to buy stuff because big box stores have contracts. And the ammunition manufacturers must supply them. And they have a little bit of leeway, a few percentage points here and there, where they can raise prices throughout the year. Now, next year, Winchester has already said the prices are going up on ammunition, primers, and components for reloading. So they're already planning on raising prices. A lot of this is because the raw materials are going up. You know, the price of copper, the price of lead. After Obama banned lead from being mined here in the United States, we had to import all our lead or recycle it all. So it costs a lot more to get the lead to manufacture ammunition. So they're paying more for the lead. They have to pass that on to the consumer. But hopefully our gun sales will stay steady. We'll make a record of gun sales this year. And those people, if you're a new gun owner, you need to look at who you vote for. You need to see if you're going to be allowed to keep this new gun if you vote for the wrong people. Do some research. Find out where they stand. This may not be your sole issue for voting, but you know what? Maybe it should be. Because, I mean, what are you going to do when they come for the gun and you and that's the only one you have? And how are you going to defend your family? How are you going to stand up and defend your property? And you may wonder, well, why do I need to? I'm safe in my home. Well, let's, let me tell you a little story about Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minneapolis, Minnesota has had a quote-unquote autonomous zone in their city, I think, since like May of 2020. And they called it, uh, what do they call it, George Floyd Square. And there were police pursuing a vehicle that had fired shots. They, these, these guys in the car had fired shots at police officers, at, at somebody, and were fleeing the scene. So the police officers were chasing them. And the, superior, and the superior officer told them, do not chase the suspects if they go into the autonomous zone. But by the time they got the radio transmission for that, they had already pursued them into this autonomous zone. And uh, when they finally did pull them over, they said, if they get out of the car while they're moving, do not pursue them. They didn't want them to pursue them on foot in the autonomous zone. So the autonomous zone is a lawless area of Minneapolis where you can just apparently do whatever you want. But apparently these officers were already in pursuit. They chased them into there. They got them pulled over. Now these guys are running 70 miles an hour through city streets, running traffic lights, running stop signs, causing ridiculous risk to the public at large. And the, police, and the police superior officer didn't want them to be chased into the autonomous zone. 
because they think because people there are very anti-police. It's funny, though, when they need help, the first person they call is a police officer or an ambulance driver, but yet they don't want the first responders in their autonomous zone. So anyway, they pursued the vehicle into the autonomous zone. They were able to pull them over. And they got them arrested. Now, when they pulled them over, they asked for reinforcements, and they sent other officers in there to kind of keep an eye on things because the protesters were starting to gather. The demonstrators were starting to gather around, and they didn't want to be put in a situation where they would have to fire their weapons on the protesters or demonstrators or the looters or the murderers or whatever they are now. So they got them. They got as many officers as they can get, and they went into the zone. They they watched the other officers' backs. They got they took the passengers into custody, and they got an ambulance for one of them who was wounded. So they ended up getting him out of there. But the fact that they didn't want these criminals pursued into an area of the city where they think they might have been, you know, assaulted. The police officers were in danger for their lives pursuing these guys into this zone. This is like, it's like a get-out-of-jail-free card. If you can get to this zone before anything, before you get caught, you pretty much go free. They weren't going to let them, they did not want them pursued into the autonomous zone. Now, granted, most people don't live in an autonomous zone, but if you did, how would you feel about not being able to have police protection? You have to be the one to protect your family. You have to be the one to protect your property. So don't think that just because you live in a certain area, you're going to be immune from this. Because these people will commit crimes elsewhere and head to a place where they won't be able to be prosecuted. Now, this zone has been there since May 2020. So it's been there almost a year. And it's been a constant problem for the police department. And, uh, you know, and there's murders there, but they don't go in and pursue because the, the police are not being – they're being told they're not allowed to go in there and pursue people. These two cops got their – their man, but they weren't supposed to. They were ordered not to. And it's funny because they're allowed to burn this part of the city to the ground, and then they they rob and and loot people. They'll steal people. And it's a six block barricaded zone that has a rule: no white people are allowed in. So it's a racist haven for people of color to commit crimes without any repercussions. So, be aware, this is going on, and if this spreads, this could be a horrible thing to happen to most big cities. Imagine having a zone where criminals can flee to and not be prosecuted. They can steal your property, assault you, then flee to this zone, and if the superiors don't want them pursued in there, they won't go in after them. They're going to let them get away with it. So, it's just, it's insane to think this may be the wave of the future. Some states are going to be better than others. Some cities are going to be better than others. But most of the more liberal cities are going to respect the autonomous zones. They're going to not send police officers in because they don't want to start any trouble. They don't want to, uh, you know, hurt anybody's feelings. So, meanwhile, these lawless zones are allowed to operate within U.S. cities. And it just seems to me like... You want law enforcement for everybody? Again, equality under the law. People here cannot are not prosecuted for crimes, while people outside the zone are prosecuted every day. And the fact that they have the racist sign, no white people allowed, that is, that is completely racist, and they don't care. And it's okay because, oh, apparently it's okay to be racist against white people. All right, enough of that, enough gun stuff. We're going to get back to New Zealand now, the other side of the world. We're going to drill into the middle of the planet, go straight across right after this break. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Roger, I'm going to take just a second to plead with anyone that's listening, be you a veteran or be you a concerned citizen. We found out yesterday that 
any numbers of veterans are dying, and this is absolutely ludicrous. Within the National Archives is the National Personnel Record Center. And you say, why is that important? Because it handles all of the records of veterans. And if a veteran needs their DD-214 or their anything that has been on file and copied is there in the National Personnel Record Center. That particular office has been closed now for over a year. And it is literally killing veterans. When they can't get the paperwork that they need to go to a VA hospital or to register with the VA, it's like sending a death sentence to them, or can be, depending on their circumstance. We have one gentleman that uh, is just trying to prove that he was in Vietnam. He's been diagnosed with uh, uh, the symptoms and diagnosed with uh, Agent Orange causes, and yet he can't prove where he served in Vietnam. And it's because this, and by the way, taxpayer, you're paying these idiots to stay away from work. And I just, I find it appalling. So call your congressman and say, we want the National Personnel Record Center open and get those lazy bastards that are in there that are killing veterans out and do it today. Call your congressman or woman and tell them we want the National Personnel Record Center open. And with that being said, we'll get back to Roger and Locked and Loaded. Welcome back. We're going to talk about New Zealand. We talked about this right before we left. We're going to go to New Zealand and see that they recently had a gun confiscation program after they had a shooting there. And we're going to see that the gun crime has hit a new peak since the confiscation of weapons from law-abiding citizens, which seems to be a pattern everywhere. Anywhere where guns are hard for legal citizens to buy, the crime rate goes skyrocketing upward. Why? Because criminals prefer unarmed victims, of course. Why would they want to rob somebody if they knew every other person had a gun? They're going to be much more scared to to rob anybody because criminals are cowards. That's why they do what they do. They're not very bright, and they're, and they're cowardly. That's why they have the job of being a criminal. But apparently in New Zealand, they doubled the number of firearm offenses that happened 10 years before, after this confiscation went into effect a few years ago. So the crime rate went up double from what it was when they started taking the guns away from the law-abiding citizens. This is always an issue because law-abiding citizens are not likely to use their guns in the commission of a crime. And criminals see law-abiding citizens being disarmed as opportunity. Yes, let's take the opportunity to rob people because now we know they can't have a gun with us. So, great. And, And now these gun owners in New Zealand, they're made to feel like criminals because after the attack, they can't defend themselves. They can't defend their families, their homes, their property. Because now they have to hand in these weapons that they had. And it's crazy because the laws they put into a place were so knee-jerk and so illogically thought out that they banned so many weapons that shouldn't have been banned. Like little twenty-two rifles. You know? And they also have a registration where if you don't have a gun registered, you're not allowed to buy ammunition for it. That would be the easiest way to have gun control go through. Stop the supply of ammunition. If you don't have a 9mm weapon registered, you can't buy 9mm ammunition. 
So they're just making it harder and harder for New Zealanders to defend themselves. Now, it seems like the number of turn-in weapons has been far lower than what they expected. The, the New Zealanders are holding on to their weapons a little bit. They're saying, you know what, this isn't right, this isn't fair, we shouldn't be treated as a criminal because of what a criminal did. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. I mean, you know, there there's so many s- expressions and sayings that cover this kind of stupidity. Don't charge the person who's not involved with a crime that they didn't commit. But instead, they just throw everybody together, lump them in as they're all criminals, and they all need to be stopped. And when they did take the guns away or did push the confiscation, the crime doubled. And in the last 10 years, crime has gone up by double. And this gun confiscation has been in force for the last few years. So obviously, it doesn't work. It never has. Illinois has some of the highest crime rates in the country, even though they have the strictest gun control laws. That's because... Law-abiding citizens can't get a weapon to defend themselves with because the criminals are using them illegally and they're punishing the law-abiding citizens. And law-abiding citizens need to stand up and say, you know what, I am not a criminal. Don't treat me as such. Don't treat me like a criminal. I am not one. But instead, they just let the politicians roll over them while the politicians keep their bodyguards, their military-style weapons, their high-capacity magazines. They keep all that stuff, but they don't want the peasants, the citizens, to have all that stuff because, oh, because they're just peasants. They don't deserve the same lifestyle we have. We're more important than they are. Well, they're not. They can be voted out just as easy as they were voted in, and if people would wake up a little bit and say, you know what, we're going to vote for somebody else this time who's going to defend the Constitution, not swear an oath to, to uphold it, and then turn around their very next breath and violate it. One day, maybe people will stand up. But if we don't, our country will outlive its lifespan. A republic of law has a lifespan of approximately 200 years, and we've exceeded that by over 40 years already. So who knows? We need a drastic change. I think it's still possible to do so in the voting booths, assuming the voting booths are accurate, legal citizens vote, and dead people don't vote. So we'll see how that goes. But it's some good news. If you are interested... And an M32 40mm grenade launcher, they have just been released for sale. That's right. The Milcor USA has just released a small group of Army trade-in original M32 40mm grenade launchers for public sale. About 50 of these are going to be made available, and some of them have already been claimed. It's a handheld, gas-operated, semi-automatic, six-shot 40mm grenade launcher, proudly made in the United States. It fires all DODIC, NATO and standard 40mm low-velocity lethal and less lethal grenades. All six of the M32 40mm grenades can be fired in three seconds. This thing's fast. I mean, that lays down some some suppressive fire for sure, six 40mm grenades in three seconds. But uh, And they can cover an area of about 20 by 60 meters without reloading the weapon. With the low-velocity grenades, the M32 is accurate for pinpoint targets of up to 125 meters and has a maximum range of 400 meters. So these things are impressive. Now, each sale, if you decide to purchase one one of these, they are $15,000. They will include one grenade launcher, one M2A1 reflex sight, a carry bag, a sling, and one 40-millimeter cleaning kit. Some accessories may not be originally issued equipment, but originally issued equipment will be allocated on a first-come, first-served basis. While supplies last, some launchers have been repaired or upgraded. All launchers are functional, but as actually issued as field weapons have varying degrees of wear. 
Some launchers have squad markings etched or painted on the exterior. Some have other signs of customization by the original user. Now, if you want to buy one of these, they are an ATF item, so you have to pay the $200 tax stamp, and you will have to pay the tax. You will have to pay all the fees and pay for the weapon before they transfer it to you, obviously. Once your background check is complete, then you can take possession of the weapon. If, however, you do not pass the background check and you cannot receive the weapon, they will refund your payment for the weapon, but they will hold $200 as the processing fee. And all guns are sold as is, and the buyer must sign an end-user agreement, which I'm not sure what that means. Because 40 millimeter grenades are nearly impossible to come by for civilians. So I don't know who would be in the market for these unless you just wanted one to hang on the wall or show off to at the barbecue. This is a barbecue gun, you know, or cookout gun. You go to a cookout, you show all your friends your 40 millimeter grenade launcher. Kind of cool. Now, you're not going to be playing with it in the backyard, although maybe you could adapt it to shoot fireworks. That would be a great 4th of July tool to have. But anyway, if you're interested in this, you can look into that. M32A1 grenade launcher, available for sale now. All right, now we're going to cover something that's very subjective and that everybody's going to have an opinion on. And I got an article here from an author that's giving us his opinion. I'm going to go through and try and figure out where I think he's wrong and where I think he's right. He was going through and talking about the best possible guy to home defense guns. He's giving his top five. And he's going to start by saying, you know, there's different kinds, you know, shotguns, rifles, pistols. And uh, he's going to get in here and uh, give us his opinion, pros and cons of each one. And I'm going to go through and see what I agree with, what I don't agree with, and try and give you some insight as to how things may have to be done. Okay, let's start with rifles. Now, rifles are big, you know, and it's... um. It's probably one of the best weapons. That's why every military equips every soldier with a rifle. They're the easiest to shoot accurately. They have the most firepower, generally speaking, and they're the most effective cartridges against two-legged critters. So this author says, the, is, the, is the rifle right for you? Okay, it's very lethal. It's very accurate. Low recoil because the rifle, when it's held against your shoulder, Mitigates a lot of the recoil so you can stay on target better. Highly modifiable. Mm, pistols are too, I think. Designed to engage multiple targets. That would be one num- number one reason. If you get invaded by three or four, two or three, four or five people, a rifle is what you're going to want. You want a standard capacity magazine of 30 plus rounds, 40 plus rounds to in order to engage all these. And you want to be able to place fast, accurate shots. And that's one thing a rifle does better than almost any other weapon. Now, the cons, he's, he says they're expensive. They're heavier. Expensive, not so much. A good, high-quality semi-automatic pistol is going to be almost what a base-quality AR-15 is. So that's going to be something. Easier to disarm due to barrel size. So if someone comes at you and grabs your weapon, it's going to be easier for them to get a handle on it than if you had a handgun. With a handgun, you can pull your arms back in and keep firing. With the rifle... To keep it in optimal firing position, it needs to be against your shoulder. So they're going to be able to grab that barrel possibly and, and disarm you from it. Over penetration. Rifle rounds tend to be way more powerful than pistol or shotgun rounds and tend to over penetrate. So you have to be careful and know what's on the other side of that wall you're shooting at. Especially if you have a family involved or other people in the building who are innocents, you do not want to accidentally hit somebody who's not involved in the crime. And he says, decrease maneuverability. 
And that makes sense. You've got a 16-inch barrel on a rifle, and you're trying to move through doorways or down hallways. It's going to be more difficult for you to get in and out. You're going to have to learn how to maneuver that rifle. Pull the barrel up or down, pull it in under your shoulder more, and push it back out when you break into a room or when you go into pie a room. So, you know, if you want an edge over multiple intruders, the rifle's the way to go. It has, you know, it's got everything that you would need except for the maneuverability. Now, also, another thing he doesn't mention here is the flash. Muzzle flash on a rifle can be nearly blinding with the wrong cartridge. Especially with a shorter barrel, you fire a rifle, you could ruin your night vision and not see what you're shooting in after that. Like I say, a flash suppressor will help, but it's still going to be more so than a pistol or probably a shotgun. Now, he mentioned shotguns are next because they're usually recommended for home defense. And I tend to hesitate on this because a shotgun is not a very precise weapon. If you live by yourself with one other person and you know where they are all the time, you wake up, they're sitting next to you, someone broke into the house, you have a plan. And a shotgun's a good weapon. They're affordable. He said they don't jam. Well, yes, they do. Uh, they don't overpenetrate. Well, you're running buckshot, 12-gauge buckshot, it could overpenetrate. And this is this one is actually it's funny, but it's probably true in some in some respects. The racking sound scares intruders. There's probably not much more of a threatening sound that a than a, a, raw, a potential robber or burglar can hear on the other side of a door than a 12 gauge shotgun pump action racking itself. Mm-hmm. That would be enough to make them think twice before breaching that particular room. I would imagine. You go in after hearing that racking sound, you're like, okay, the guy's got a shotgun. I don't know where he is in the room. Do I want to go through this door and find out? <laughs> as long as they can hear it. And it works great in low light because it's not, it doesn't have to be aimed as carefully. Now, granted, close ranges, it's going to be, it's going to be more difficult. You're not going to get the spread that you would get if you're outside. So that's going to be something you'd have to consider too. It's going to be a, a low spread, but it's still going to spread some, even at 10, 20, 25 feet. Maybe even out to 30 or 40 feet, but that's probably going to be the maximum range inside a home that you're going to be able to fire a shotgun at and expect expect any kind of spreading out of the shot from there. And when his cons, he said they're heavier, they recoil a lot more, which they do. You know, that's especially if you have like a pistol grip shotgun that you're not aiming on your shoulder, that's going to be a little more difficult to uh, to control with a recoil, especially in a, a high gauge, a 12 gauge or 20 gauge, going to be a little more. Now, maybe a 410 gauge would be a little easier, less penetrative, and easier to control. It's short range use only. You're not going to shoot somebody at 100 plus yards with a shotgun, especially with bird shot and stuff like that. Reloading a shotgun generally takes a little more time. However, if you watch people run three gun, they slam those shells in from the bottom, and they can reload at any time without having to remove a magazine or remove a cylinder, like in a revolver, to reload. They can just thumb a few extra shells in if they get an opportunistic reload time. Things stop for a second. You grab a few out of your belt or your loops, and you throw a few more in there, fill it off. Usually they have five to six rounds, sometimes seven or eight rounds. Now, some of the double-tubed ones will have... Like his KSGs have 14 rounds, and the KSG 25, 25 rounds of shotgun shells. So depending on how you go, a shotgun can be a very devastating weapon with as much power as anything else. They're not precise. That's one of the cons. They're saying, okay, imagine an intruder comes in, gets a family member in a headlock. You're not going to take a shot at him with a shotgun as, as easily as you would if you had a rifle or a pistol. 
especially if they, you know, because there's a good chance you could hit an innocent bystander with a shotgun, anything beyond a few feet. So you'd have to be very careful. You don't have that that precision that you have with a rifle or a pistol. All right, we're going to come back after the break, and I'm going to run over a few more of these weapons of choices and see where we stand, and I'm going to give you even a couple other options of things that we can do. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded. And right before we left for the break, we were talking about home defense weapons, and I was up to the shotgun. And, you know, a shotgun is a devastating close-range weapon, especially if you're inside an urban setting and you have less than 50, 60 yards to cover. And a shotgun has another pro, which I want to mention, is that it has a variety of shells that is probably unmatched as far as possibilities. You have non-lethal. You have double-aught buckshot, which fires nine thirty-three caliber pellets at one time. That's as much as any machine gun. You're firing three or four of those. You're firing out, you know, 18, 30 rounds of ammunition in just a couple of seconds. That's as fast as any machine gun could fire. But, of course, it doesn't have the accuracy of a rifle or a pistol, but it is if you have to move fast and in a stressful situation your fine motor skills are going to be decreased some because your adrenaline is going to be pumping you're going to have to just point and shoot you're not going to have as much time to aim unless you've trained for that situation so a shotgun can be very devastating close range but it also the fact that it does spread shot you have to be very careful if there are innocent bystanders nearby or you have family members in the house and don't know where they are in the house they hear something come running toward the sound which most people do for some reason unless they're trained you train your kids you hear something go off you get under your bed you hide you stay there or you meet in a certain place you go to a certain location get out of the way let mom or dad work this out you know who knows if your kid's a championship shotgunner then maybe he should be the one to work this uh, work this thing out okay but uh, if you're proficient with the shotgun it may be your weapon of choice if you're very good with it if you can reload fast if you can handle it keep in mind also shotgun barrels are a minimum of 18 inches long normally speaking so they're going to be a little harder to maneuver and in order to get the best the best control and accuracy, you're going to have to shoulder that weapon. You're going to have to put it on your shoulder to fire it, which is going to make it a little longer. You know, And a pump action is probably the best as far as making the scary sound. A semi-automatic, though, is faster, more efficient, and you don't have to rack it. You don't have to have your body moving while you're trying to reload. There's no chance of short-stroking a, a semi-automatic because it's going to work as long as it's been tested. Now, this author put revolvers in separate from pistols for some reason. And uh, he's calling them a hand cannon, which is kind of a misnomer because you can get a revolver in any caliber from 22 on up. So it, not necessarily. You get a revolver that holds, you know, 9 or 11 rounds in a 22. It's going to be almost just as effective as a 22 semi-automatic weapon. 
but generally speaking, revolvers can handle bigger cartridges. Now they're they're reliable. They they don't they don't malfunction very often. And he says they're scary, which I don't know why they'd be any more scary than anything else pointed at you. But uh, they're going to be good to have, but reloading is going to be the biggest problem. Because unless you're well-equipped to handle a reload on a revolver, it can be extremely difficult. And the recoil on a bigger handgun cartridge is going to be a little bit more difficult to use. But again, it's all about proficiency. It's a matter of what you're used to. If you're great with a Model 10 Smith & Wesson 38, by all means, that should be your weapon of choice. Now, that should be the one that if you're proficient, you can hit bullseyes every time with it. Granted, under stress, that may diminish some, but your instincts will take over if you have trained with that weapon. Anything you train with enough, you're going to become better with. So other than reloading, I think a revolver is probably one of the best weapons to have, and it depends on the situation. You know, if you get if you have a home invasion situation with several intruders, a revolver is going to be a disadvantage for the reload. And you have limited ammunition. Most revolvers hold six, possibly seven rounds, sometimes even as little as five with a bigger cartridge. But that's going to be something that, you know, you just have to take into account and consider your other options. Like, for, for example, a semi-automatic pistol is probably the most commonly used home defense weapon because it's it's easy to maneuver. Most And it's usually something that if people are protecting themselves all the time. It's something they may carry with them all the time. The same gun that they wear on their belt all day long may be the one that sits on top of the nightstand. And that's the one they probably shoot the most, have the most proficiency with, and have the most experience maneuvering and working with. Now, this author says they're they're inexpensive and lightweight. They are lightweight. They're accurate, concealable. You only need one hand, which could become an issue if you have, if you have to help guide another family member to another part of the house, you need to take them with one hand and hold the pistol with the other hand. And inexpensive, mm, you know, a, a, a good Glock or Springfield or 1911 pistol is going to cost you almost what an AR-15 is. So the difference between a rifle and a pistol here is probably n- negligible. Now, you can equip both of them with a lot of extras, including one of one thing I would say on almost any home defense weapon is a flashlight. Either carry a flashlight with you or... Mount one to the weapon. Now, the flashlight requires its whole nother use of training to use it correctly. Because remember, flashlights work both ways. It allows you to see the intruders if they're in the house. It also allows the intruders to see where you are. So you don't want to run around with the flashlight on the whole time. You want to be able to have a switch where you can turn it on and off as necessary to be able to gain your sights or see your enemy, see your intruders, and take care of them, shut the light off, and keep moving. So we'll have to see. You know, that's that's a whole other training s- scenario. But the semi-automatic pistol is easy to use. It has enough rounds. I mean, most modern semi-automatics, full-size ones, hold between probably 12 and 20 rounds. Some of these newer super micro-compacts are holding 10, 12, 13 rounds of 9mm ammunition, which is fantastic for a tiny little weapon. Now, of course, he says he says one of the cons is a shorter magazine. And that may be true. However, reloading a semi-automatic pistol can be extremely fast, and most of them have available for them extended magazines. So you can carry one with the standard magazine in it, grab your extra 30-round magazine and run with it, and have plenty of ammunition for hopefully any type of home invasion scenario. 
especially if you've trained a little bit, you know what you're looking for. It's also, it's easy to maneuver a pistol around corners, down hallways, into small rooms. And most people train with it more than they do almost any other weapon. Unless you're in the military, you train with your rifle more. Now, I was told by a uh, Marine Special Forces trainer, taking some uh, training tips from him, he said, you use your pistol to fight your way to your rifle. (laughs) So keep that in mind, too. But again, most military personnel are going to be trained to fight in bigger, wide-open spaces, more so than the urban environment. The urban environment's usually done by... Um, more specialized forces, and they usually have their choice of different weapons. So that's something to consider. And there's a multitude of choices for the semi-automatic pistol. Now, the truth is, it doesn't really matter what you choose. All of them are better than a samurai sword and MMA training, especially if they're armed intruders. Now, granted, you coming at somebody in a pair of spandex shorts with a samurai sword can be pretty threatening in the middle of the night, especially if they're not expecting you. And you can do a lot of damage with a big sword. And just the uh, the fear factor alone, I think that would be almost more intimidating than a shotgun racking. But anyway, it's something to consider. Now, I'm going to throw out a couple more that he didn't cover here that I really like. One of them is the rifle caliber pistol. These have become extremely popular in the last three or four years because of the advent of the pistol brace. The pistol brace is something that allows you to have a longer, let's call it a a handle or a bracing mechanism on the back of a short-barreled pistol that fires a rifle caliber. Most of these are chambered in... They have them in 5.56, 308, 7.6239, the Russian AK cartridge. And probably one of the best ones in this particular cartridge is the 300 Blackout. It was designed to burn all its powder in a 9-inch barrel or 9.5-inch barrel. So basically, if you're running a 10 or 10.5-inch barrel on a pit, on an AR-style pistol with a pistol brace, you won't get a huge muzzle flash coming out of the end. Because if you've ever seen... A Russian AK cartridge, a 76039 or 556 fired out of a a uh, rifle caliber pistol, it puts out a huge fireball. And in the middle of the night in a house, the concussion would be just would be Im- intrusive at least. You know, you would probably you'd feel that in your ears, and you're not likely to grab ear protection before you go out scanning the house. And also, you're going to ruin your night vision. That flash goes off all of a sudden. You can't see for a second. Now, granted, if you're firing at opponents or intruders, they're not going to be able to see either because they'll see the same flash, hopefully right before they get hit with a bullet. So that's something to consider also. And these these guns have pretty decent range, too. So if you were dealing with wild animals or something like that outside, these are the type of guns that you could use for indoors or outdoors, especially with a heavier bullet. Running a thirty caliber pistol with a pistol brace and an AR or AK style platform, that could be a very devastating weapon. I would almost rank that above a rifle for a home defense weapon. Now another one is we're going to go the other way and they have a pistol caliber carbine. This is a rifle chambered in a pistol caliber. Now generally these are, have 16 inch barrels if they're rifles. However, again, with the advent of the pistol brace, they can have shorter barrels now and still have a brace to be able to put on, put your cheek on or hold against part of your body. I'm not going to say which part. To stabilize them, to make them more effective and make them easier to shoot accurately. And with a pistol caliber, 45, 9mm, 10mm, 
with anything more than a six or eight inch barrel, you're going to get probably complete powder burn in most cases. Eliminate your muzzle flash. You're going to have the accuracy that you need out of, that, would, that you would get from a rifle with a pistol caliber cartridge, which would give you high capacity. A lot of these hold 30 rounds easy. They have drums that go up to 50 or 60 rounds. No problem. Running 9mm, 45, 10mm, 40 caliber Smith and Wesson. All these are probably better choices for indoor use or urban use. You get less over-penetration with a pistol cartridge, but you still have the, I guess, the stability of having three points of contact. You have your hand on the grip, you have your hand on the front, and you have a part of the, the rear brace against part of your body. So you have three points of contact. Three points of contact are ultimately more stable than two points, which you have with a pistol. Usually a pistol, you have two hands on it, and that's it. And pistols are generally a lot harder to learn to use accurately. Most people think it's easy. Oh, just point and shoot. Yeah, you do that, you're going to miss most of the time. I've seen people go out there thinking they were just going to kill it, and they get out there and can't hit a two-foot by three-foot target at 20 yards away. You know, it, it's a skill that is a little more difficult to acquire, but once you acquire it and remember the basics, it's easier to shoot a pistol. But most people will tell you, I'm better with a rifle, I'm better with a shotgun, because it's easier to shoot more accurately, always. That always seems to be the case. So consider that. I mean, a pistol is probably the easiest one to hide, to keep nearby, to keep secure. And if you needed anything, if you live out in the country, then you may need a rifle for defense, because your defense may not always be against the two-legged critters. You may have bears, coyotes, wild hogs. You may have other intruders coming to your house and you may need to defend against them so you got to put yourself in the situation to see okay what is my most likely intruder going to be who is it going to be what am i going to have to defend against in my own home where is the most likely point of entry into my home and again you know if you just want to go with the samurai sword and the spandex shorts that's fine you know that'll work i would suggest a flashlight be the number one thing to keep by your bedside in fact, if I hear a noise during the middle of the night, I grab the flashlight first. I do a quick scan of the room. If my partner is there, she's she's there. It's fine. If the dog is there, okay, I know they're there. It's not them making the noise. You look around. You see, okay, everybody I know who's supposed to be in the house is here in this room. Something else is making the noise. Now, if you have kids who live in other rooms, be sure to grab the flashlight first. Identify before you shoot, especially if you don't hear hear a crashing in of a door or a window and you just hear noise walking around in the house, chances are it's a family member. You know, maybe the daughter got dropped off late from her date. Now, granted, you still may need a weapon to uh, do a little intimidating of her uh, potential date there, her boyfriend, but, you know, you don't want to shoot anybody in a situation like that. So be careful. Make a wise decision. Ask people who know. If you have people who are gun people or weapon people, ask them. Ask them for advice. Everybody will give you a different opinion. But if you get an opinion on multitude of weapons, you can determine which one is best for you. All right. I am Roger B. This has been Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.